Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and we are going to be visiting today with Ann Tucker of Undoubtedly Awesome. But before we do, we're going to talk a little bit more about our journey this week. We've been working through the untethered soul. What would you say, Linda, for about a year, maybe a year and a half now? Probably, yes. Yes, but every time I, and I keep going back to it. I mean, this isn't a book you read once and you just put away. This is a book that you keep by your night stand and um it's it's like my bible i say now and it's probably going to be there for a very long time because it's just so profound so i'm loving it well and you know i'm i'm going to give you my opinion i lost it you know (laughs) i had to buy another copy i had a really hard time with my first read through um but you're right it's you know because i'm used to plowing through books i'm used to sitting down and plowing through and like highlighting a couple things and this one i found i could read a couple pages and then i actually had to think and that's not a bad thing it's not that it's a it's not a hard read it's just some of these concepts are they take a little they take a little bit to sit with you, and I actually went and bought another copy of it after um, – I must have given my other one away. Um, but I bought another copy, and I'm, I'm working my way through it again. And what's very interesting, Linda, what I found is that in my second read-through, I'm getting such a different – level of awareness like the first time through it was kind of like you know like when you learn to water ski or you learn to snow ski or surf you know the things that I like to do you know your first couple times you're getting face fulls of water and you're like oh my god what am I doing here and that's kind of how I felt a little bit the for the first read through of the untethered soul but um I do think that it's a great book for um, self-awareness and I think it's even better for you to do with a friend or a partner or you know boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or best friend I mean Linda I've gotten so much more out of this book than I think I ever would have you know if we didn't have our discussion time no absolutely and, and I'm feeling the same way uh, every time I go through it um, I get more and more because maybe I've come up a little bit further on the path so I understand it a little bit more this time I'm going through with my orange marker and I'm just like oh there's there's so much it's it, it's just it's wonderful and and when I read it I feel excited I think I can feel my heart starting to pound which means it's really resonating and it must be like the real thing other because I'm not planning to have my heart race it just is so it like it that means something to me 
Well, it's 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 meaningful to me. And it's funny because, you know, it's so great that we're on the show together because, see, when I read it, it calms me down. It like brings my anxiety level way down. And when we did the last couple shows, which are available on iTunes or on PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, uh, uh, I could feel my anxiety less and I could feel my stress go down. And when we I finally figured out like and this is not a spoiler alert, this is, you know, something that we all need to learn. But there's these things called thorns. There are emotional thorns in our side, like, you know, the lion with a thorn in his paw. And some of us um, will do everything we can to avoid poking that thorn. And um, sometimes the thorn gets poked. Like in my business, I, I have a lot of money fears because I, I, you know, became a single mom. I got divorced. I went through a foreclosure in my marriage, you know, because my end of my marriage, all these things happened very quickly. So I developed a lot of phobias and maybe I had them already around money. I don't really know, but I know that I have them now. Like it doesn't matter where they came from or how I got them or how long they've been there. They're here now. And so when I realized one of these things were triggering like I'd avoid the mailbox, Linda. I'd avoid paying my bills. I'd avoid opening checks. Like how crazy is that? A check would come in the mail and I wouldn't open it because there was always this feeling like there's never going to be enough. And, you know, that was a big thorn. And I do know that some of that goes way back to my childhood um, when I was really little and we almost lost our house. Um as a family and that frightened me. So like I get all those pieces, but you know, I've worked really hard to identify this thorn with you and on the air. And then I thought I did a pretty good job of, of pulling at it or tugging at it and pulling at it. But what I found was that I thought you could just pull that thorn out. You know, you just acknowledge it, you are aware of it and then poof, it goes away. Um, and then when I had some other struggles, <laughs> well, only, I really did. <laughs> if, if only, only like, if it was that so. easy. Right, the harps play, the angels sing, and we're all sunny, warm, and wonderful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you no, know, but... I mean, it, it's something that's been in there forever. And it's, you know, and you, now, awareness is the first piece. You're aware w- that it's in there. You're aware of, you're conscious of, of your, your fear around it, around that, you know, for you, in your case, money. And, okay, now... How do you, now you're aware and you see what happens every time your that money thorn is poked, right? Oh, absolutely! I had right yeah. from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk. I go back right. to like second grade and so, calm myself down, and then you know. But I don't want to do that anymore. Like I want no. a new pattern. No, well, I don't think we need a pattern. I think the thing is 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 when we're we see ourselves going into that fear place, and it's a fear place, that's where our thorns are, um, that, you know, we just have to learn to let go. I have a good example. Um, A friend of mine was walking, uh, he and his sister were walking his dog in a park in Connecticut this weekend. And so it was was gorgeous. It was like in the mid-60s, so there was a lot of people out walking their dogs and playing with their dogs. So, and and my friend is is a big bulldog. And so he would walk by and people were sitting on benches and their dogs would like kind of lunge forward because they wanted to play, you know, with his dog. And so this kept happening and happening. Every time they passed the dog, the, you know, the other dog would really go into his path and want to, you know, engage with, with him. And it happened about 12 times. And finally his sister said, you know, what's up with Armando that he's really not paying attention? 
attention. And he said he's just choosing not to engage. He's just choosing that. And just because the other dogs were in, were in his face, and he chose not to do it. And that's what we have to learn. It, these things are in our face all the time. And we have to learn not to get involved, not to engage. So we have to disengage from our normal uh, reaction to when the thorn is po- poked. And that's the hard part. I'm not saying well, it's it, easy, but I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying and and to make it otherwise you know you can eat peanut butter and jelly jam sandwiches till you're you know you're blue in the face it's not going to it's not going to change the, the 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 fear and so the only way to, to you know to disengage is get behind it and not engage just watch it just watch it just watch it and if we do that stuff enough and not get engaged then eventually our psyche is going to say, holy mackerel, she's not, this obviously isn't bothering her anymore. We, you know, let's go on to something else. And it goes away, but it's, it's work. So it kind of reminds me of my oldest brother who used to punch me in the arm every day for fun. I mean, not hard. He just would make it red and make a tattoo. And my mom used to say, just ignore your brother. Just ignore your brother. Just ignore your brother. And, you know, I had the hardest time ignoring my brother. And I guess you're right. Like once I really ignored him and, you know, he'd punch me in the arm and he'd look at me, wait for the reaction. And I would just sit there watching like Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch or whatever I was watching. And eventually he got bored. So maybe the universe gets bored with Poking our soft spots when no, it's we're not the, it, don't blame the universe. It's our psyche. It's it's what's going on inside of us. And so it, it's our it's it, it's our it's our psyche that's giving us all this mind chatter and all of this fear and all of this. Oh my God, let's not go to the mailbox today because you know it's going to be another bill and I can't I haven't got the money to pay it. And oh my God, what is going to happen? They're going to take the house away. Oh my God, I'll be out on the street. It's all that crap that's in your head that means nothing. It's meaningless. It's crap. So if no, we it's can just... you. <laughs> what? It's like you. I said, no, Linda, it's you. No, I'm just kidding because <laughs> you were just talking perfectly like you were in my head going through my own anxiety. And, <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because when we when you were saying that, I was laughing because I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. That's what's going on in my head. You and know. here's Linda doing it from New York. I'm in L.A. And yet. So to me, it, it just I just think I got the falsehood or the falsity, I don't know if that's the right word, of that monkey in our head. Because if you can guess it from New York and it's rolling in my brain over here, it's not real. It's, it's an entire fabrication. Exactly. And if we can just get out and just, again, not, let, don't engage, just like the dog. I'm choosing not to get involved in this. Uh, and we have that choice. And so, and if we do it enough times, like anything, it's like a muscle. We're gonna we're gonna get it strong, and eventually, we it's gonna it's it's not gonna be a thorn anymore. I think that's the only way to get rid of our thorns is not to play into it, not let let our head just you know just say I'm not you know I hear you, but I'm not listening, and just not 
get involved. I mean, I, I, that's what the book is saying. That's, I know that that's the truth. Otherwise, we'll just keep building more and more barriers around that thorn so it won't get poked. And eventually, we're going to be, we're going to be a prisoner to all of these things. And we don't. We want freedom. And the only way to get freedom is to pull it out. Okay, well, we're going to bring on, after the break, Anne Tucker. She wrote a book called Undoubtedly Awesome, and I referenced it last week. It's um, it's this great book about doubt and your personal roadmap from doubt to flow. And, you know, doubt creeps in and anxiety and frustration, all this stuff creeps into me. And, you know, I think this is a good ancillary book to go along with our untethered soul work. So when we come back from the break, we're going to hear more from Ann Tucker about some of these things that we're talking talking about how do we get rid of the thorn how do we make sure it's gone for good and how do we not make it our new normal you know that we're constantly battling the thorn we'll be back after the break we've got lots more powered up with sandra beck and linda franklin after these messages It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's merging and Whenever we hear a recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. 
Hi, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And as promised, we've got author of Undoubtedly Awesome, and I have met her. She is definitely undoubtedly awesome, Ann Tucker. She's going to join our roundtable discussion today because her book inspired me last week. And you guys can check it out on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. Listen to last week's episode. Um and she wrote a line in her book that I actually wrote on a post-it and stuck it up on my wall. What's great about becoming self-aware is that awareness is the cure. You don't have to add another 10 minutes of affirmations in the morning or go deeper or meditate longer. Once you see yourself clearly, you can't unsee it again. So the work is done. That gave me a lot of peace of mind. And Tucker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So let's just so the audience understands who you are, just give us a quick little background um, and a quick little synopsis of your book. Sure. So um, I am a a former executive leadership coach. um, And while I was uh, consulting in my consulting business, um, I started to develop this methodology of understanding how people um, solve problems, how they think, how they make decisions. And I started to see patterns as I uh, worked with one person after another, connecting or collecting feedback about each of them. And it, it gradually, it just sort of came into clarity for me as I started to see the that there was a very distinct pattern. And if you understood it, you could understand how people not only create in the world, but also how they're impacted, where, where they get slowed down in their decisions, um, where they get stuck and where doubt impacts them. And that was the genesis of this book. Well, and I'm a big one. I can get myself all tripped up and Linda will be the first to tell you that I overthink and then I get myself like all nerded out and, you know, into almost immobility at times. And then I have to play video games for like a day and a half till I come out of it. You would think I was a 16 year old boy, but I'm really an adult (laughs) grown woman with children. But that's been my MO since I was, oh, 16 years old. So, you know, when we talk about these thorns um, and a lot of them have been around, you know, this lifetime and who knows, maybe past lifetimes, they've been around a long time. So when you were working in your leadership practice and writing your book, how did you address thorns? Like, you know, you know what a thorn is, right? Like, you know, it's a an emotional like punch in the gut that stays with you. Sure. And I think, um, you know, it's going to vary depending on the person, what their specific areas of sensitivity are going to be. Um, you know, but I think, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier about about taking your dog into the park and not getting distracted by that is recognizing what your triggers are, not allowing yourself to be baited is a big part of that. And and how that fits in with with the content of this book is is once you understand it was always amazing to me when I would go into a team and I would be working with a team and understanding where those points of conflict were. Maybe there was two people who didn't get along and um, they would be a certain area where they would overlap, where they were just always butting heads. And um, once they got to have a better understanding of each other, understanding that that there was no maliciousness involved, they just had a really different approach. It really changes your attitude. So if you can identify, if you have a thorn like that, if you have something where you feel misunderstood, if you have ongoing conflict with someone, um, which is how it would normally come up, 
for me when I was working with people is it, it usually comes from a differing style and it takes stepping outside of your own skin and taking a more detached view of, of what's happening and trying to, to put yourself in the other person's skin. Um, if it's a trigger that's related to something deeper, a belief that you have, I think, I think that's where the awareness comes in, becoming aware of your soft spots and starting to see yourself with more objectivity, more detachment. What is, and I, and I just want to go with this one here because like Linda helped me a lot when I was going through divorce court and custody court a couple of years ago, she had me just watch everything like a film strip or watch it like a movie, you know, just completely, uh, like disassociate. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the thing that I have a question for, I'm going to pose this to Linda too. Um, I'm a tech nerd and I'm already like, my feelings are already pretty stunted. So when I shut them <laughs> off to detach, no, I mean, I know who I am. I, you know, mm -hmm. people feel things a lot more passionately than I do. And I just kind of sit there going, oh, okay, um, a little Sheldon Cooper. But um, how, what's the difference between detaching and not caring and then detaching and because, you know, you do kind of have to care about certain things, especially if you're in court or, you know, you have to react if the dog attacks your dog. I mean, there's that fine line. You can't just sit there like a tree stump going, well, there the world goes by. Like, <laughs> what what is living and, you know, because isn't living part of reacting and caring? I don't know. So this is where yeah. the nerd in me gets all tangled up. Well, here's a thought. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting question as we talk about detachment. But you're right. In the moment, what do you do with those emotions? And Here's what's interesting is when you feel something like that, when you feel something very deeply, when you are very triggered, where detachment comes in is not in not trying to feel the emotion. It's in not feeding the emotion. So if you are in a situation where somebody gets you really, really angry, don't if you try to resist it, if you try to squish that down, it makes it worse. If instead you take a moment and you breathe into that and understand that emotions are fluid energy, that they pass through you if you let them. So and no emotion can last longer than 90 seconds. If you really allow it to pass, it'll pass. What hurts is when we fight it, is when we resist it, when we try to tamp it down and it gets stuck in there. So if you're really, if you're really, really mad, go out to your car and just scream for a minute, let it out, and then it's gone. The emotion passes away. And where you get into trouble is where you start feeding it with feeling, you know, with the resentment or the anger. If you start telling yourself, oh gosh, this always happens, or he's always this way, and you start feeding into that, then you're cementing that anger. You're really building it and adding layers to it. So, so that's where the thoughts go on top of the emotions. But to feel better, emotions are not meant to stick around. They're meant to pass through us. And so the detachment comes in and recognize the feeling, breathe into the feeling, let it pass, and then use that ability to detach to then, to then step into kind of the, the you're past the, the emotion, you're on the other side of it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Anne put it very, very nicely um, and correctly. That's basically what we're saying is just, you know, just you, it's not like you don't care about stuff, but a lot of stuff you don't have to care about. I mean, choose your <laughs> battles. I mean, but this way, if 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 someone is doing something that you know that doesn't please you and is poking one of your thorns. The best way is just to just to let it pass and don't engage, uh, don't engage in it. And, we, and we've talked on the show and about it's not who a person is is where they are. And and the mm -hmm. way I look at that is you know where are they on the vibrational scale? And if they're really uh, low in in anger and um, 
all sorts of bad emotion, then mm-hmm. that's what comes spewing out. And, you know, that it's not ours. We also say this, when something happens, is this, is, is this my problem? And if you can honestly answer and say, no, it's not mine, then you can let it go because so many times we take on other people's angst when we don't have to because it's not mm-hmm. our issue. So that's, right. you know, a great part of being aware is, is it mine? Is mm-hmm. it mine? And if it isn't, you know, um, you know, I think I think Sandra, he, she just she thinks she thinks so much about everything that um, I think she gets confused. But I do, I do, and like <laughs> again, it's like you know, it's like all these variables, and this is why I work with machines and not people. Um, I could get this formula, like you guys have a formula of non-engagement. I get that. I even wrote ninety seconds, breathe, let it in, let it out, let it pass. No, nothing lasts longer than ninety seconds. Okay, got that. Can do that. But then I look and go, I can do that easily with, you know, friends of mine. I can do that with my ex-husband now. I got good practice on that one. I got, you know, I can do it with my extended family. But then, like, you know, now let's juxtapose it and let's crank up the flame. I have a preteen and a teenage boy that I'm (laughs) raising and an 83-year-old dad in my house um, that I'm responsible for. And that's where the disengagement, um, I struggle with that. Because when you have a personal relationship with people, as much as I'd love to put on my headphones, crank up like some white snake and just disappear, I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's, what's beautiful about that, though, is the people in our lives, I believe they're put there for a reason. They are the mirror that's there yeah. to show us our junk. And I so agree. every time your son or your dad is triggering you, rather than looking just get feeding into that emotion instead take a look and say what what belief do you have that's causing them to behave that way what what belief in you that you're projecting is is bringing that out in them and and then spend some time imagining what it would look like if you believe something different right if whatever it is if you if your son is really really messy let's say it drives you crazy because he's always leaving his dishes in the sink and and imagine what is it what do you have a belief that teenagers are messy do you have a belief that your son is messy and what would happen if you believed something different and see how it works if you if you start to tell yourself a different story start to project something project a new belief to him that he's not a teen marinating in hormones put on this right. to drive me insane <laughs> he's, he's actually Cary Grant right yes, yes. <laughs> but, he, but, but there Sandra too I think that you just have to this is a perfect place to dis, you know uh, to not engage and, and we talked last week about my, my shtick with my husband when he goes out and doesn't come back for four hours when he tells me he's going to be gone in, for 30 minutes it, it's you know it's not that you don't pay attention to these things it's just you, you see what it does I watch what it does to me inside when I do engage and so it's just teaching myself not to not to go there because it's 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 it causes craziness. It ca- it causes all of those voices in my head and all of those things that I I really that aren't real. Um, so I I'm trying not to to go there. And if you're you know if your boys are crazy you know <laughs> just like it's a movie it's gonna pass. 
Right. Well, and I, I like I always gain a greater understanding, uh, you know, with you, Linda and Ann Tucker. I want to thank you uh, with this undoubtedly awesome. When we come back from the break, we're going to dig into it a little deeper. But, you know, what I'm hearing is don't feed the beast. Like, you know, if, if something's driving you nuts in your head, you know, what part of disengaging is also not feeding the beast, which means I'm not going to call my sisters and we're all going to rant over whatever, you know, it was. And then it gets bigger because then my brothers get involved and then my father feels like he has to, you know, wrangle in the whole family um and you know now one little thing becomes a great big giant monster so i'm getting i'm, I'm getting the understanding of not feeding the beast and i love that 90 seconds we're going to take our 90 second roll breathe in breathe out let it pass we'll be back uh with more great information from ann tucker and linda franklin and myself sandra beck we'll be back after the break more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And the guest of the hour is none other than Ann Tucker, author of Undoubtedly Awesome. She's written this great book that I have been working my way through. And before we get deeper into her book, I just want to throw out um, something, you know, so many good things happen on commercial break and you guys miss it. So I'm going to ask Anne to share with us her experience um, about, 
you know, kind of your energy and how your energy affects others, especially the people in your household. Yeah, sure. What we were talking about was what do you do with your with your own children or with the you know, you were talking about with your father. And I was saying I I had an important wake up moment myself when my kids were really young. And it was at a time that my my husband at the time was traveling a lot. And um, I was just I was just really overstretched emotionally. You know, we get like a rubber band, we get pulled too tight and you're just your resiliency goes down and little things start to bug you. And I was in that state. I was I was just toast. And I was convinced that my kids were being real twerps at the time. They were bickering with each other. They were just on my last nerve. And they were sitting down trying to take their shoes off. And I took a breath and I thought, you know, I recognize I'm in a really bad mood. (laughs) You know, I'm crabby. Maybe it's me. And so I took a step back and I just wondered what would happen if I changed the way I was showing up for them? What if I changed my attitude? What would happen? So I turned back around and I, I started to see them. What if they had actually been great that day? And I started to treat them as if they had been great that day. And it was literally as if I flipped a switch that when I started showing up differently for them, they started showing up differently for me. And it was it was such an aha moment. It completely changed how I parented from that point forward. Whenever I started running into difficult days with my kids, I started looking at myself and said, what am I doing? Is it me? And can I change what I'm doing? And I tell you, it worked every time. Yeah, I agree with that too because, um, and I don't have children, but it, it works with, with, you know, you know, friends and, and people that I've worked with in the past and, and my husband for sure because, you know, we're all pretty uh, predictable. And, and once we change the way we act, people notice. Um, as I was saying on the break, uh, words are just words. People don't pay too much attention to words because after a while they just get, you know, monotonous and it's blah, 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 blah. But when you change your behavior and you go from the left side over to the right side or or you you know they they say hey what's going on with her and they they really do and when i'm um when i'm calm and cool i notice my husband uh is more calm and cool and also mm-hmm. with my with my dog i mean it it's it's energy people can mm-hmm. you know people can read it and you really can't hide it so it's got to be it's got to be for real yeah. Well, you think of those Charlie Brown shows, you know, like when I think of Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the parents like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and, you know, they, I mean, that's kind of how it is. It's like if I go, wah, 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 versus wah, 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 you know, <laughs> I do the same thing, but it's, you know, a completely different intention. I think anybody, like if you're a mother of a dog or a kid, everybody knows that voice where it's like, we're in public, so I'm going to talk nicely to you and use nice words. We're going to kick your ass when you get home. Like, you know, <laughs> there's that that energetic intention um, that comes in. And I think, you know, this is so much fun because, you know, when we talk about, you know, self-awareness and self-understanding, um, you know, these are the things that that come up. And, and when I was reading your book, um, I highlighted a bunch of things. But I have to tell you, if you guys want a Cosmo quiz for nerds, this is the book. Like you can get in here. I took my little test and, and um, we're going to take Linda's test live on the air. Um, but this book is broken up into some different things. Like there's some theory in there that, you know, I, I struggled a little bit with on, you know, how to answer questions and how to, how to make decisions and, and things like that. But then once I got to the test part, I had so much fun. 
Oh, good. <laughs> so tell and us about it, your book. Oh, sorry, Linda, go ahead. I just wanted to know, so you took the test. What was the test for? What did you find out about yourself by taking this test in the book? Well, I've, I've got a lot of validation um, when, you know, sometimes I wonder what I'm good at. And this is where like my overthinking gets me in trouble. And I, I had a hard time with my uh, like, what was my decision making style? And then, you know, I read it and it was like, oh, my gosh, I could like staple this to my forehead and people working with me could learn. Um <laughs> Like it said, your, your experimenting decision process is how you get things started quickly and build momentum. You like to get moving and preserve the freedom to improvise as needed. And like, and I'm good in fast-changing environments. And any problem you face, you'll plunge right in, get your hands dirty, and then move on to the next thing. And that was like me to a nutshell in this big California rainstorm, you know, out there pushing the mud, like getting my hands dirty. But I just jumped right in, fixed it, and then I moved on. And I, it's funny, um, and when I read this, like when I work a lot, I worked a lot with the military for like 25 years. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I always taught everybody in leadership was like, hey, pull the trigger, like make your decision quick. You have more time to fix it. Don't wait to the last minute, like pull the trigger, yes. pull the trigger, get it going. And yes. I'm like, I felt very validated in your test, you know, that here I am, you know, the, the, the trigger girl, like, you know, you got it in one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's so important about that is the, the way I look at these different, and, and in the book, I call them your soul types. Um, and, and each of us has as part of our soul type, we have a particular gift that helps us or makes us particularly good at solving a certain aspect of a problem. And the way I think about it is, is if you can imagine way back when, before anything existed, if you can think of God or source or universe or however you can like to think of it by itself out and floating in nothingness and wanting to better understand itself. So it divides itself into seven pieces and each of us got one of those seven pieces. And this is a creative gift. We each have one. And then every problem in the world is like a seven sided shape, a seven sided room with, with a door on each side. And each of us has one key, one way into the problem. And all of us are capable of dealing with a whole problem by ourselves. But we have one door, one way in that we're particularly and uniquely good at, better that, better at than anybody else. And it's part of the reason why working in a group is so compelling is that when each of us takes all of our keys and we come back together as a group and solve a problem, it's like we're recreating God, we're recreating source um, by bringing all those sources of creativity back together into one project. Does that make sense? It does. And one of the things that you put in here that that really made sense to me, I grew up in a hockey town and I used to play goal and. Mm -hmm. You know, you, were to, you make a lot of analogies in here that are really easy for me to absorb. And one of the things you talked about was like, you know, my soul type and goal. Like, I'm like, right, left, right, left, right, left. Mm -hmm. Do I go right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> and my coach used to say, back, you know, stand still, stand in the center of the goal, stand still. <laughs> and you have that right in there, literally. You're like, this makes many leaders panic. They can't stand to wait in the middle of the goal box for the ball to come. Now, you're talking about soccer here. They have to jump to the right or the left. Left. And I'm like, holy bananas, Batman, that's like me in a nutshell. <laughs> and, right. you know, so it is it is really good. I'd love for you to talk to Linda a little bit and let's feel, you know, let's feel her out and see where she is on this, this seven step continuum. Yeah. So, OK, so one of the things that 
that's fun is is originally when I used to start, I started using this process with teams. I had this five page, 20 billion question questionnaire, but I figured out how to put this into a flow chart. So I boiled it down to basically three questions. It takes three questions and we can figure out your soul type. Okay. So Linda. Question number one, and the questions are different because this is a flow chart. It, they're going to vary depending on which route you take, right? Which how you answer these, the questions change. Mm-hmm. So for you, are would you say in general that you make decisions slower than average or faster than average? Think about people in your household or with your husband. Are you faster or slower? Faster. Okay. So in general, when you are uh, talking about your life, talking about your story, do you tend to tell the whole story? Do you give your, how you feel about it, how it's affecting you, or do you tend to just stick to the facts and the details or the facts about it? The first. The first, more about the whole story. Okay. Yeah. So are, are you more interested, which do you enjoy more solving problems with unique solutions, or do you tend to be more interested in communicating and influencing people with stories and metaphor, which one sounds better to you? Probably the second. The second one. Okay. So that would make you what I call an expressive soul type. <laughs> Okay, I just have to tell you, Linda, when I was doing this at home, I put Linda right on top of the Expressive Soul Chapter 15. So That's this awesome. thing works. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's actually really, really easy to use it to uh, to understand the people in your life. So it's just as easy to do yourself as it is to do someone else. So it can make you, it can give you a ton of insight about their family members, people that you work with, your boss. <laughs> so it can so, be really useful. So what does um, so that what mean? That means. Yeah. So so here's I'll start with with what's beautiful about it, Linda, is is the each of us, like I said, each of us has a key and the particular role that that you would play in this great cosmic plan is to to help get everyone aligned. You are essentially the voice that you have the ability um, to, in a sense, you are of all the soul types, you are the one who has the strongest connection to your heart and the heart is where we make decisions. So you have a direct connection between that, able to feel your way to a decision and it goes right out your mouth, right? You're able to immediately have a point of view and you're able to express that point of view with, um, amazing influence and persuasion. So, um, whenever you're in a group, you're going to be the first one that knows how you feel about something. And you're going to have a real strong sense of, of internal guidance. You're going to have a, a strong sense of, of values, your true North. And that's going to guide you whenever you're coming up with this point of view. So you're going to be compelling and you're going to be right, right? You're going to be on point because you're going to be staying true to this internal sense. Um, you're going to be most motivated by a sense of purpose by a feeling of connection to something larger than yourself, to to a crusade that's going to make you feel, that's going to bring out feelings of, of in you of, of courage, like you're doing something um, that's important to the greater good. Does that resonate for you? Um, a lot of it does. Yes, it does. And, and Sandra's saying, that is so you. It's totally you. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm in the chat going, that's you. That's you. Listen, <laughs> I got to take us to commercial break, girls. This is so much fun. When we come back from the break, we're going to dig in. We're going to learn the positives. Then we're going to dig into some of the negatives of these. Now, if you want to know what kind of, of soul type you are, go to undoubtedlyawesome.com. There is a free test there so you can figure this out. And I would suggest you get the book, Undoubtedly Awesome by Ann Tucker. It's a whole bucket of fun. You will learn you know, even more things about yourself and like I said, Cosmo Quiz for Nerds. We will be back uh, after the break meeting with Ann Tucker and Linda Franklin, and we're going to kind of uh, digest some of these different soul types, two of them, mine and Linda's, so that we can see where we can become more self-aware on our continual improvement journey. This is Sandra Beck for Powered Up Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break. 
we've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Here are some tips from the popular UK internet site BuzzFeed to help make your life a little more fun. Next time you catch a cold, try adding a touch of magic by holding a handful of glitter in front of your mouth just before you sneeze. By the way, here's a word coined by a Canadian disc jockey for that feeling you get just before you sneeze. Anticipation. Hey, slang is just language with its sleeves rolled up. The actual medical term for sneezing is sternutation. Here's a suggestion from one expert for making a cell phone last longer. You can double the battery life of your cell phone by simply putting the darn thing down. Well, that's plain old rumble gumption, which is another word for common sense. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin and our guest today, Ann Tucker, author of Undoubtedly Awesome. Now, we, we identified that Linda is the expressive soul. I'm an experimenting soul. Now, the whole point of this stuff is so that we can improve. We can understand ourselves better and understand the people around us better. So these, both of these have upsides and downsides. So can you, in a quick nutshell, give us like an upside of expressive and, you know, downside and then an upside and downside of an experimenting soul. So we can kind of take something away from today's show, like practical application. You bet. And I want to compliment both of the strength of, of your egos being interested in your downside. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so Linda, since we were just talking about you as an expressive, so we talked about the, the major upside in terms of, of the role that you play is in this idea of getting us aligned. So you have a real ability around story, around metaphor, that you can look at any situation and you can find the drama in, in the narrative and be able to present it in a way that, that vocalizes for other people people what they have felt but have been unable to say. So you can find the words, provide the words that the rest of us need to make sense of sacrifice, 
of the difficult things in our life. So, um, so you really are the voice for the rest of us to help to help unify us, if that makes sense, behind a common cause. Um, the way that you make decisions is is you can be impulsive. So, and impulsive has a bad rap, right? We think of impulsive, we think of addictions, or we think of uh, blurting out in class. But the truth is, it just means that you are fast, and it's part of how you have that direct connection to your heart, um, and it, it enables you to know what you feel sooner than everybody else does. Um, so you're a really, really strong connection there. The the place where that gets in your way is that sometimes you will live, emotions tend to be uh, in an eternal now, right? Emotions, when you're in that emotion state, you tend to think that the way you feel right now is the way you will feel always because emotions are timeless. They don't, they don't understand that things change. If you feel you just feel in, in the, it is like an eternal now. And so you may in the moment commit to things because it feels good. You may commit to things that later you wish you hadn't. So you might overcommit. If you have a free hour, you might spend that hour three different ways before it arrives. And, or you may have resources that you'd overcommit, double commit, triple commit. Um, because in the moment, if you feel like you've got plenty of time and you don't think you're going to be busy in the future. Um, so, or you may, you may, um, but anyways, it's, it's that idea of of trying to step out of the eternal now and to think more carefully before you commit to things to what are the resources that are involved and also the pain that you're experiencing in the moment to get clearer on what is the bigger picture of all of your pain points and, and where how, how to prioritize this particular pain point. Is this really the most important thing or is it number three, four, five after these other things that just you're not feeling in the moment? Does that make sense? Uh, again, yes, um, many many parts. Um, I consider that like a Virgo because I, I can I can do forty two things at once and get things done faster mm -hmm. than anybody else. But I am <laughs> sometimes I am impulsive of making a decision that wasn't such a great decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but so you know, but and that is not a good thing um, by. Because of the Virgo personality combined with, with, with the soul personality, it's like everything has to get done before I can say, ah, now I yeah. deserve a treat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then for Sandra, for you, the, um, you mentioned that you are the experimenting soul type. And yes. so, so your particular gift is the ability to bring momentum to anything that you do. So, which is, is actually a humongous value is that so many of us have ideas or things that we want to do, but, but inertia is an incredibly powerful force and you are the person who can defeat inertia is that you get things started and you keep them moving. You create, basically you're like a little powerhouse that comes behind anybody and anything and, and makes it move. And you're constantly pushing people to start to rather than plan and rather than spending time and worry, you're just like, get going. So action is where you're at is getting things started. Um, and it's, it's a humongous value. The, um, the way that you would make decisions and the way that you do that is basically your whole decision process is optimized to enable you to do this is that when you look at a problem, um, you're able, and you do this probably intuitively is you'll look at a problem and you'll recognize very quickly, what are the two or three most important things to consider about this problem? So you're not 
not overwhelmed by all the details. You'll zero in on what are the critical things I have to pay attention to. And then, then once you have those three critical things, you will immediately have your plan of action, your path forward, and you'll start moving. And that's all you need. And you'll always have plan B in your pocket. So as you're going along, you're going to be constantly scanning the horizon and looking for things to change because you're experimenting as you go. You're trying this path. You're not committed to it. You're trying it out. And you're going to go until something better comes along or until it doesn't seem like it's working anymore. Then you'll pull out plan B and you'll try that. So you're constantly in motion and you're able to turn on a dime. So where this can get in your way. So obviously you can see how this would be fantastic, like in the tech industry, in any fast moving anything, in an emergency, anytime where you need quick reflexes, you are going to shine in every way. Um, The place where it can get in your way is the fact that Um, If you always have plan B in your pocket, an important part of of really being happy with your decisions, with getting out of doubt, is committing to your decisions and a full commitment. In other words, not just um, making a plan and starting moving. It means giving up your alternatives and burning your bridges, which is probably something that you, you don't always do. And so what can end up happening is you'll stay in this state of constant experimentation and it creates dissatisfaction. So whatever path you choose, you can end up being unhappy with whatever it is and constantly scanning for something better. So it prevents you from being as happy as you could. Well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple of things here. Cause you know, you're like right on the money Two of the things that I'm most known for in my company and with my sphere of influences, I'm always like, look, NTK, NTK need to know, tell me what I just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> I say that every single day, drive everybody bananas. And then my other favorite phase is to course correct. Like, look, we can just start it. We'll, we'll correct it as we go. We can go always course correct. Need to know basis course correct, <laughs> which is like pretty much paraphrasing yes. what you said, but yes. the one strong struggle that I have. And this is, you know, and it is true. I am 99% dissatisfied with everything I do because I, I can't make a full commitment and I, I, I have a really hard time fully committing to something. And, you know, even though other people are like, wow, you knocked it out of the park, that this was wonderful. I'm always in that, well, what if, or we mm-hmm. could have, or, you know, and I, I don't know if it's dissatisfaction or if I've just accepted that's the way of being. Because, and this is where, again, I got confused. Um, if I make a full commitment and I don't course correct um, as I go, like, most of the time my software stuff falls apart. Like I see my peers that are like, yes, this is the one way to do it. This is the road to, to Rome. This is the road to Rome. And I'm like, but there are all different roads lead to Rome. We just have to, or the, my favorite, like there's many paths to the top of the mountain and we have to, you know, jump over to this path and jump over there. So given the nature of the tech industry, given the nature of my experimenting soul, um, where do you draw the line? Like, do you just... Like, like, you know, like I get it. Like I don't commit to anything. There's everything's always fluid and in flux. And and that, Mm -hmm. that works for me Mm -hmm. on some level monetarily, but on a personal satisfaction level. And that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And here's the thing is that you don't actually want to 
stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing is a gift. It's giving you this incredible ability to create momentum. So you're really serving the world by bringing this to others and bringing it to the things that you do. You're you're able to start things. You're probably very entrepreneurial. Um, and it's so it's you're like a, a and you probably have enormous amounts of energy. You probably have tons of stamina. Um, it's it is it's a gift. So but the trick is how do you work with that gift in a way that you take full advantage of all the things it gives you, but also try to guard against some of the disadvantages. And so what I would say is when it counts, when the decision matters and it has a big impact on your happiness, in those instances, make a full commitment. And so it just means doing it differently in those instances. So what it means is rather than experimenting and keeping plan B around, make a real deliberate effort to cut off all of your alternatives and do that in a really forceful way. So, you know, a simple example I use in the book is if you're shopping, make it so that you can't take it back, cut off all the tags, right? Make it so that you have no choice to return it and do it early. Do it before you've spent a lot of time cycling around, looking at other alternatives, but put yourself in an emotional space where you have not only committed um, uh, from the, from action and action standpoint, but have committed fully and emotionally and given yourself, burned all your bridges and made it impossible for you to turn around. Once you do that, you activate a different part of your brain. You basically, it's like flipping a switch in your brain in terms of how you feel about your decisions. Before you do that, you stay in a comparison mode. You're constantly comparing what you have to everything else. And this is what everybody does. But after you fully commit, that means this three-part process, you've got to burn your bridges, give up your alternatives, and, and commit. Once you do that, it literally changes that same mechanism of your brain. Rather than comparing what you have to everything else, it's now looking for ways in which the thing you chose is better than everything else. So it, it is the same, like I said, same exact brain tool, brain th- thinking process, but it's been changed to support what you've chosen rather than to pick apart what you've chosen. And it enables you to fall in love with your choices. Well, and I think like you should go on eHarmony because you just like (laughs) totally identified my dating pattern. It's like, well, there might be somebody else better coming along. So I'm not going to commit too deeply to this one. But um, I know we only have a couple minutes before we have to end the show. But my one question for you is one of the things is inertia. Like what happens when I put my hands up and I'm like just done, done, done. And I don't want to do anything like it's all or nothing with me. And is that typical of the soul type? Um. Uh, to, I would, when you say well, you're either all or nothing, um, not necessarily. I mean, I think that there's this, the, what this is telling you about the soul type is really telling you about your thinking process, how you make decisions, um, and your creativity, but it's not a personality index. It doesn't con- capture all parts of a person. So there's going to be lots of aspects of you that, so you'll meet, you can meet another person who has the exact same soul type as you, and you may like totally different things. Um, but if you dig underneath and you look at the process behind how you think, that's the same. So you may say, well, okay, I'm different in these ways. And yeah, that's typical. Um, You may also find that you, you are flexible and you can grow into other soul types. And that's, that's very true. Um, But underneath it, you have this, this one gift that you're born with. All right. The guest today, Ann Tucker, undoubtedly awesome is her book. Go get your copy. Totally fun. Go take your quiz on undoubtedlyawesome.com. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Powered Up Talk Radio.
We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and 